0: Hello and welcome to a new episode of the Seriously in Business podcast. It is a pleasure to come to you today with a really cool interview. So, um email marketing all right you either hate it or you love it or you've got no idea what the heck it even is and I think it is such a powerful tool for business owners and for me personally it's something that I have always kind of done or at least once I've upped the ante my business over the last like six or seven years or so um but there's always different things I just don't know and I don't understand whether it's like what size of email images should I put in here should I even put images in my email is that going to affect deliver- deliverability or what is deliverability and how should I segment my audience or should I segment my audience there is Segmenting, what is segmenting? Like all of these things to know about to, to make sure that the emails that we send are really worthwhile and are really actually working to grow our business and why we should even bother with this stuff. And so I have an incredible guest to share with you. Her name is Tamson Stark and she is from Email Parade. What a cool name. Um, and she has a, like a little boutique agency where she helps business owners, e commerce and service business owners to create incredible email marketing campaigns. And I pick her brain for many, many questions, I could have kept going for another hour around email marketing and how we can make sure we're designing it well, How why we can't use our own fonts in email marketing, and all sorts of different things. So I'm really excited to share this with you and hope you love this chat as much as I did. All right, let's get into it. Welcome to Seriously in Business, the podcast for all things branding, design, marketing, and business strategy for your small business. Hi, I'm your host, Jackie Norton, pro graphic designer and coach at White Deer Graphic Design. This is the podcast for small business owners, AKA entrepreneurs who love to have fun and take their business seriously. We'll be diving into DIY graphic design and the crucial role it plays in building a successful business, a business that is not only your passion, but is taken seriously by the world. You'll also get to learn key branding insights from yours truly, as well as gleaning marketing strategy and business advice from epic industry experts. I've supported hundreds, if not thousands of women over the last 10 years to transform their brand and design, and in doing so, helping them build successful and sustainable businesses while living the life they love. And today, I get to do the same for you. Join us every week for a new episode, ready to fill you with inspiration, equip you to thrive, and get you looking seriously in business. Welcome, Tamsyn, to the podcast. Thank you so, so much for being here. I'm Really excited for this chat because as much as I love email marketing and I've done it a lot before, I also haven't had any like real proper training on it. And so I'm just mostly fumbling my way through and it's, it's working okay for me, but I'm really excited to kind of dig into a few things from your perspective on particularly the design side of things. But before we get into it, I always love to kind of just get an actual idea of people's lives behind a business because... I find it just like, we just see people's Instagram lives or we see them posting. We're like, Oh, it must be really easy and stuff. I'm like, they have a life they've they've got children or they've got like errands and they've got food and like, what does life actually look like? So I'd love to ask you before we get into it, it's what is an average day in your life slash business kind of look like for you? Um,
1: yeah, good question. The, um, I, I usually create my mornings around family time, which is usually the most chaotic part. I'm not like a 5am getting up, doing a couple of hours of work. That's just not going to get the best of me. But um, so what what I tend to do is get everybody ready and out the door. And then I come back because I can make my business quieter, if that makes sense. Like I can just really focus. So once all the busy stuff's out of the way, come home from school run and I, I generally have three, three things that I want to get done for clients and one thing for myself. So that's how I break mm. up my day. I, I kind of know what that's going to be um, the day before, Um, So what I do is I really break down my processes into much smaller steps. So with my clients, that might be brainstorming a concept, and that's a goal that I've had for the day for one of their um, campaigns or um, sketching out a flow for another client um, or even editing an email that I wrote. The day before. So I have that break between when I've done something and then I go and review that as well. So every little thing is done to make sure that I meet the deadlines. And then with my own business, it's usually um, planning, it could be content planning. Um, I try and do things like by the end of the week, I'm actually doing something. So I'm either writing, I'm getting into my website, I'm updating something, and it kind of structures that way. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm pretty lucky in terms of what I do because my clients, when I do regular campaigns for them, they they pretty much send every um yeah, sorry, each week um, around about the same time. So I can kind of break that up knowing that I have to hit this deadline on a Friday, or I have to hit this deadline for a Saturday send or a Tuesday send or whatever that looks like. Yeah. Um, and that's brings so much more structure to my week as well.
0: Yeah. Cool. Okay. And then are you usually are you doing the school pickup or are you does someone else do that? Yep. So you like finishing? Yeah, pretty much.
1: Yeah, so I've um, my my husband sometimes works from home, but when he doesn't, I'm doing everything, and then mm. we're usually getting into um, swimming. We've got gymnastics, so once school is done for the day, I can't really get back online until mm. say after the kids have gone to bed, and usually that's about eight eight thirty. But you mm. know, by the time I've actually collected myself, so if I do have anything that's urgent that's been pushed back, it's usually then. But I try and keep it to one maximum two things i don't like going to bed super tired if i can push it out to the next day i do but yeah it's 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 really about structuring and creating mini goals as much as you possibly can
0: yeah cool that's really interesting thank you for that insight i love that like everyone has just does it so differently and we all just make it work somehow and yeah. like, those are so i love I, like, I love the the goals and the kind of way that you kind of structure those goals and yeah, it's and not the, anywhere near how i work
1: <laughs> my i I was not like that. I would just do everything all the time. And even if there were kids around me um, asking me things, I was just trying to get masses of work done. And wondering why I was so tired yeah. um, and um, I think the biggest thing as well is managing client expectations which I learned to do a little bit too late but I learned to do it because if someone comes to you and they say oh I really need this urgent thing and you accommodate that well then that's setting the precedent for how available you are yeah. um, and especially when you start with a new client really saying this is great um, we you know I, I can start with you on this date um, and then they're usually fine with it, but that that kind of pressure to deliver it tends to come from yourself. So learning to set those boundaries has been so helpful.
0: That's um really timely advice because I'm about to kind of open like the more studio side of my business. It's less teaching people design, but more getting my studio team to do it for them. And like, yet yeah, the client expectations and the management is something that I have to really like, tighten up because I'm like yeah we can just do that and then I'm like rush 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 and then I'm getting things late and it's like this is not a fun experience for anyone so
1: no and then you feel really bad about neglecting your family and you know all that kind of stuff and things pile up around you fold, um clothes don't get folded and stuff doesn't get done and then you feel that guilt so yeah
0: yeah right. all the things oh it's so much fun running your own business isn't it <laughs> <laughs> No, thank you for that. Okay, cool. So now that we've got a bit of an insight into your life, could you just let us know kind of what you do and like how you've ended up running your own business doing email marketing?
1: Yeah, so I come from a marketing background. Um, I worked in not-for-profits for quite a few years. Um, and <clears throat> what I do um, is, uh, was mainly in direct marketing. So about 2018, after my daughter was born, my my second child, um, I uh, my role was made redundant mm-hmm. and I that that was kind of perfect timing because i really wanted to do something for myself but i'd never really thought about what that was going to be and we really needed the flexibility um of having someone closer to home because the kids daycare is in the area they go to school now both of them go to school up the road Mm. so i can't have both of us in the city working so we're we're based in sydney Um, so that really kind of set the catalyst for wanting to start something for myself um but i wanted to do something that I could start really quickly, um, that I could use my existing skill set for and that I just needed a laptop. I didn't need a whole bunch of equipment, that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, So I knew what I knew, but I didn't know how that applied to the small business world and I knew I wanted to work with mums. I knew that I wanted to work with small business owners, but I didn't really know much about the world. Um, so what I did was I went into uh, a couple of big Facebook groups, which were like entrepreneurial networking Facebook groups. And I said, does anyone want some free consultations? Because I, I can definitely help you with strategy, um, but that will also help me understand the needs of small business owners. Uh, I got a few people who wanted the strategy sessions with me. And of that, one of those people ended up becoming my first client. So it was a really great way to network and put myself out there and at the same time start to learn about the industry or the processes that I wanted to implement with people and the strategies yeah. that they needed from me as well. Uh, so it's kind of like learning on the job but knowing that I could still deliver, yeah. you know, what, what they needed. Um, so that pretty much was me freelancing for like the good, like the two to three years. Um, and then, of course, the pandemic hit, and you know we were all juggling everything. Um, but about a year ago, I rebranded as Email Parade, so that's got much more of an agency focus. It's kind of halfway between solopreneur with support going towards agency um, without mm. being full blown agency. If that makes sense, I don't even know what the term would be for that. Um, right. <laughs> but it's it's you know it's kind of like a boutique agency type. Situation. So I do have now people working with me. Um, very small remote team. Um, they also have their own businesses as well. But it's it's growing that um, that uh, business side of things, as, um, as well as helping other people with their um, grow their businesses as well. So for example, yeah. um, I work with copywriters. Um, I've worked with designers before. Um, it kind of depends what I need and what my clients need at the time. Um, and yeah, just trying to outsource as much as I possibly can um while still growing and scaling. It's that kind of growth development push pull thing that's yep. going on right now. But yeah, it's good. Yeah.
0: Cool. I love that. Thank you for sharing that bit your your story and that. And yeah, just I love the Kind of this the basic way that you start of like, hey, I got this. They can just help you with this thing, and then like all you, like all I had when I first started was one really great client, and then that really great client like shared me with a person, and then they shared me with another person. Like you can kind of really get started from from one really great client. And so you've got like you obviously do email marketing. What 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 do you love about email marketing? Why is it such an important strategy for the people that you're passionate about working with, like mums and business and small business owners and and stuff? Yeah. So
1: with email marketing, it's When you um, receive an email, it's literally the last personal space on the internet that is just yours. So Mm. you curate it. It's in chronological order, like kind of the opposite to what something like social media is. Um, So when somebody... uh, they receive your emails, um, they're actually saying, yes, I want to hear from you. And it's a permission-based marketing channel. So it's an opt-in and it's a way to have a one-to-one conversation at scale with as many people. So um, what I mean by that is if you um, have an automation and someone signs up to your email list, you can welcome them, you can tell them a bit about yourself, but you can automate all of that at scale. So you don't have to be the one typing every single day saying, hi, thanks for joining my list. Um, And it's just really easy to do. Um, And it's also a great launching pad for people to take action. So if you want somebody to click on a website, buy a product, um, read or watch a video or read a blog post, whatever it is that you're doing, it's a great way to invite people to do that, knowing that at some point, they are going to um, read their email um, and then they're going to, you know, take that action.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's a really cool phrase that you use there of like, it's kind of like one-on-one communication in scale. I hadn't thought of it in that that way before because yeah. like, every time I press send a meme, I'm like, this is going out to so many people and this is so scary. But like also looking at it, like there's one person on the end of this reading this and I get mm-hmm. to talk with them and share my thoughts with them and hopefully help them. Um, yeah. That's a that's a cool way to look at it.
1: And I think it's really important to understand that letter writing is essentially what email marketing is, and yeah. that that kind of um, writing letters to each other predates the telephone. Like it predates yeah. like things it's a very old form of communication. And we always tell stories, and stories stick. So again, that's another way that you can communicate with people. So you've got letter writing, storytelling, which is what we 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 do in email marketing. And people wonder why email marketing isn't dead. Well, we've we've been doing this form of communication for centuries, so it, it kind of makes sense that it's just a modern way of how we have
0: naturally communicated all this time. Yeah, that's so true. That's so interesting. And you're right, like, yeah, it's the, yeah, that's, no, I hadn't thought of it that way. I love it. Okay. And so what do you think are some mistakes people are making when they do write their emails or when they create their emails or when they are doing kind of their emails. Um, I know you wanted to chat a little bit around, I guess, the design side of things, um, which is interesting because I often get questions from people like, oh, like how many images should I have in my emails or this or that? I'm like, I've got some rough ideas, but I'm so interested to hear your perspective on on these things and what, what we can be doing to, I guess, make our emails better, more likely to land in people's inboxes and all of those different things. That's a ginormous question, but <laughs> I hope that
1: makes sense. Um, I think. One thing that I still see and I don't think a lot of people understand is that when you um, create your email and you're doing it in the email um, service provider platform, you you should be using a drag-and-drop editor that they have. But that doesn't mean that you can't provide graphic elements that look appealing. Um, I think when we think of how something should look, we look at an overall design, and I'm um, I, I still see people who upload an entire email as an image, yeah. um, and that means that the header is in there, the 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 pictures are obviously in there as well, as well as the um, text that they want people to take into account, um, and it's just one big image. But the problem is, is that not every um, email uh, provider, so Gmail, Yahoo, Outlook will download images automatically so if your entire email is an image that's not going to download and I've I've seen that as recently as uh, the last couple of weeks um I've, I've just subscribed to every email list that I can because it's just what I do <laughs> perfect research saying that um yeah so it's it's fine if you have images in your email obviously um and if someone misses out on one graphic design element because there's no automatic um, downloading of images, that's fine. They can still um, read what you've written and they can choose to right-click and download. But if the whole thing's an, an, an image, then it's it's really just no point in sending it because they've just missed the entire purpose of what you want to say. And as much as we think that people are going to spend that time clicking, the more barriers you put in front of people, the more they're going to um, either delete at best, possibly unsubscribe. So that's what yeah. you're
0: yeah, we can't make it hard for people. And like, yeah, I I I think one of the email platforms that a couple of my clients use, it 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 like you kind of design the email in their platform and then it really kind of changes most of it into an image. And I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. Like we want the text to be text yeah. unless it's like yeah. a one like a once off fancy heading maybe inside a header or something. But other than that, you really need that there. And I find um what I what what kind of happens is 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 we 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 just want it to look really beautiful but readability and actually people seeing that content is so, 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 so much more important than this pretty thing. And that even comes down to email signatures. So many people design their full email signature inside Canva and like, it looks really great, but if it's just an image, people can't, like if, again, if the email server doesn't download images, people aren't seeing your name, your, your phone number, any of your actual details to click on that and to get into contact with you properly, because it's just all this one image that the email server isn't downloading. So yet I think not defaulting to images for everything is, is such important point
1: yeah absolutely um, the other thing with that if if you do go for images that you know if if you design your entire email as an image is to think about um responsiveness because yeah. within those drag and drop templates that the provider of uh, the, the email provider gives you they automatically have built-in responsiveness to big screens and to small screens. So if you have a button, it will look in proportion on a desktop, but when you go to an um, to a small screen like a mobile phone, that will then respond to that image size, but it won't do that if you upload it as an image. So your big button on your desktop might look really fancy, but when it comes to a mobile phone, it's going to be this big and a big thumb has to find a tiny little button or actually yeah. it to say click here and that's just that that's really hard for people yeah
0: yeah it's exactly like a website in terms of like when you like resize a big website it like the pictures kind of reshuffle themselves and they kind of go into better sizes and they kind of work better whereas if you just have like one big image then usually it gets really hard to read on a mobile because as you say I think it just gets too small and people I guess people could zoom in but again people don't gonna work hard like we need to yeah just it's, not gonna it's like trying to read a pdf on a mobile phone you just it's, no. it's just so yeah frustrating it's just it's just too hard yeah oh so so true okay and so what are some like i'll just love to get like four tips from you of how we can do better in our email marketing and how we can just make sure that we're not making these some mistakes or even like some some more broader ideas too in terms of how can we do a good job with our emails to make sure that i guess I always get really nervous. Like I spend like all of this time making an email and then barely anyone opens it. And then if they do some of them unsubscribe and then some of them don't click on anything, it's like, how can we, this is a big question as well, but what are some things that we can do to kind of begin to help our emails actually work rather than just sending them for the sake of it?
1: Yeah. I think the the biggest thing to understand is that you have seconds, not minutes. Yeah. and Um, And based on that think about a less is more approach um so if you've got a lot of stuff that you want to say in an email and then you've got this call to action and that but you also want to showcase this part of your brand consider breaking that up into more than one email or segmenting your list so if you have two distinctive audiences maybe you sell apparel to um, women and men yet you've got a whole email of female and men's clothing you would look to segment that um, but if you've got something like you know you want people to um, know about a sale if you want them to see about your new arrivals if you want them to look at sellers or user generated content those are actually individual pieces that should be separate emails so it's that simple is is creating really very set messaging and it's just one core piece of content per email, which means that you can send more emails, which is great. Um, I and you get so like content.
0: Yeah, I get so in my head around that of like I'm just bothering people more by sending them more emails, but that's just, a, a, there's a constant Jackie problem I have. Like, that's why I talk faster. I don't want to bother people. But like, yeah, fitting, yeah, spreading that out over lots of emails, I can so see why that is more important and more more beneficial, I guess, than popping it all in one because I guess when people see all of that information or all of that, thing, they just don't know what next step to take, but you're kind of making that clear if you do one per email. Uh,
1: Yeah, absolutely. And a confused mind says no. I think
0: we've
1: heard that so much. So if somebody's scrolling and they're scrolling and then they forget what's at the top, you're kind of losing them. But if it's just like a, here's a sale, here's um, a great story from Instagram, here's something. It's, It's just very focused pieces of content. Um, And in terms of how you lay that out, um, we're quite predictable in how we read things. So as you know, like with the website, you know, we kind of go from left to right or down and across. Um, With scanning patterns for email marketing, we tend to use the inverted triangle. So Mm. if you look at your content and and how it's structured, um, you go from biggest to smallest. So big headline um, really conveys what you want to say. So, um, medium is like a paragraph it might be one to two sentences which um, builds anticipation but gives you a bit of information as well and then at the very bottom is your button so if you think of that very simple structure that's how you draw the eye down the page and it keeps people informed as well as conveying a really simple message and that's also going to help you really focus on what it is that you want to say as well.
0: Mm, that's really interesting I haven't heard of that of that before, but I guess it makes sense. And it's, it's, it's still similar to like, we're reading down the page, but just kind of, yeah, I guess keeping yeah. that yeah, really big idea at the top and then bringing it down to, I guess the, yeah. the crux of things rather than yeah getting distracted with doing heaps of different. Yeah. I've got a question for you then in terms of that. So I have, there's two sorts of emails I send out in my business. There's, well, There's a thousand sorts. There's like the classic nurture sequences and all those things. But then once I'm actually sending broadcasts to my whole email list or or a segment of my email list, there'll be like a sale or sharing a, a new offering or whatever that is. And there's also my newsletter, which goes out around every second week. Is it okay that my newsletter has like a thousand different things in it?
1: Yeah, so newsletters, with if they're sent out <clears throat> on a regular basis and there's a certain frequency to them and that's yep. quite, quite consistent and people know what to expect from that, um, I, I assume in your newsletter you're providing information as well as um, education and selling. So yeah. there's probably like structures to that. Um, that's fine because it's um, it's something that people can use and they um they anticipate and yep. they are not surprised when they receive it. If okay. there's additional campaigns on top of that and that's based on something that you're doing, like a sale or there's something new that's happening or a membership that's opening up, that's a different style of email marketing. Yeah. Um, yep. and either you say you want to keep simple. To- Yeah, Yeah. Um, and either you segment your list, um, so it goes throughout people, you have an interest list if you're looking for students, um, or you have, you know, if if you're an e-commerce business, you can look at um, who's the most engaged, so you're always sending to your warmest clients as opposed Mm. to trying to reactivate very cold customers off the back of a, you know, um, one-off email so it, it it just kind of depends what you're doing I think that we tend to think of I have an email it has to go to everybody this is what it's going to say but if you think more strategically it's I have something that I need to say it's based off of this um, it's, it's it's underpinned by the rest of this marketing that I'm doing anyway um, who does it need to go to what does it need to say and that's going to be a lot more strategic in your approach than doing mass mailers um, I think newsletters are okay because People will sign up to receive that content. Anything on top of that, just start to think about um, who's it going to, who who needs to hear about it, that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, that's really cool. Okay, so you've mentioned segmenting a few times. For people that have no idea what that even means, maybe they're just kind of starting the email list or maybe they've had one for a while but kind of just have never segmented anything. What is segmenting and what are some really great ways that we can do that to make sure we're being more strategic in the way that we send our emails?
1: Yeah, so segmenting is literally just getting an entire group um, of people from your list and popping them into one smaller group. And those people would have shared characteristics. Um, So a really easy example is people who are new to your list. Um, They've signed up uh, within the last minute or two and they're going into a welcome sequence. That welcome sequence is five, seven days long, 10 days long, and they would be kept in that welcome sequence and not sent anything else because your sequence has been designed to um, tell them who you are, tell them how to work with you, why you're different, um, why buy, why choose you, um, testimonials, and it's just really focusing them in and piquing their interest. Mm. Um, Whereas people who have gone through that, they've either bought from you or they haven't, that's two other types of sequence, um, sorry, segments. Um, so someone who has gone on to buy from you, they are your warm customers. They would be people who would then um, either buy from you again or tell their friend um, and they would leave a testimonial, obviously. People who haven't gone on to take that action of working with you or buying from you need more nurturing. So the, they would then go on a different path. That's a pretty high-level way of segmenting, but it's a really great first step because um, if you start continuously talking to people that have bought from you but you talk to them like you don't know them or that you haven't even acknowledged their support in the past, that's not a great experience for them. Um, Whereas people who haven't bought from you, they would need more education, they would need reintroductions maybe, they would need um, to understand how you work or um, why they should be buying from you.
0: Yeah, that's really great. I'm definitely way too slack on that area of my business. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes so, I'm yeah. like, it's really good, and then less, less good.
1: With with my business, um, for example, I work with service based businesses as well as e commerce businesses. Yeah. Um, they do share similar um, similarities in terms of the content that I send them, but really, there is a point where it doesn't make sense for me to send mm-hmm. certain bits of content to either or. So that's when yeah. I'm segment my list as well.
0: Okay. So two follow-up questions. Hopefully I remember them both. The first one is how do you segment like after the fact? So for example, I, I have seen myself get emails from people before saying, what are you interested in? Are you a service-based business or are you an e-commerce business? And then like I click on a link in the email and I'm assuming that then segments me in their list into those right things. Is that a good good assumption to make on how that's best to do that?
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
0: Another way to do it originally was is that like do you have like a little drop-down selection or something where someone is signing up to your list where they get to choose their own um, segment or do you just guess or?
1: So you can. Um, if you've got an existing list and you want to know how can I segment with people, I know I've got two like a, uh, a and B people, um, you could send them an email and you could set up and say, hey, I just want to make sure that the content that I'm sending you is relevant. Um, let me know a bit about you and they can click on that. It would take them. To a landing page to two separate landing pages you would have to set those up as well hopefully yeah. with your email service provider mm-hmm. and then there would be a way of tagging their profile so they could then yeah. go into the segment um you could do surveys you could have these questions within a survey mm-hmm. um you can have that as a custom field in your preferences center so um say if somebody wants to update their details with you it's that kind of similar part of your um of your provider where it might say change your name, change your email address, um, change your cadence. So once a month from me, uh, once a fortnight or interest as well. So that that's two ways that you could update that. But that would be more organic, people who would do that as they would want to update their details. So you can also mm-hmm. push push people to that section just to try and get them to keep their information updated.
0: Yeah, cool. Okay. And so you were also talking about um, like if you were to have a sale or you're were, you're were sharing something that maybe – were you implying that you would send maybe a slightly different email to people that have purchased from you before to people that are, haven't purchased from you before?
1: Yeah. So if, um, if you have a sale um, and you want, so there's, there's a couple of things going on. You want good deliverability. Mm -hmm. So you would send that to people that, you know, um, have bought from you before. Um, You might want to, section out or segment out people who haven't bought but you want them to know about the sale um if you send the the, the email to the to the warm people first that's going to help deliverability of the second email um mm-hmm. but it's also going to help you see, okay if i was to send this to everybody um how many people would well ha- um, how much of this would have it uh, have the email been delivered to um because when you do a mass say um a, a mass email There's only a certain amount of people that that email is going to land into their inbox, their promos tab. Um, And if you um, segment that out, you'll get more of the warm people receiving the email versus if you had some of the colder people in there as well all mixed in together, if that makes Mm. sense.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Being a bit more strategic about that. um, With warm people, you can also give them early access. That's a really great way of saying, you know, here's something that's coming up because you're a loyal customer. Um, you you get to know about this beforehand. Or you can even do it by specific um, discount codes. And you can say, you know, new arrivals have come into the, the store um, because you've been a customer in the past. Like you can get a quick, you know, 10% off for the next, uh, you know, 24 hours and that's just for them. So there's different ways mm-hmm. that you can reward them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You so use the word deliverability a little bit there, which is again one, something that I've heard about, but haven't haven't I've probably pushed into it a ginormous amount for as much as I should have. What are some ways? This is a big question too. What are some ways that we can increase our deliverability? I guess probably from a high level, level a high level, but um, just some some quick tips for us, if you don't mind.
1: Yeah. So keeping your email light, and by that I mean. Um, heavy images yeah. um, are going to slow down um, the, the actual send rate. So Gmail, Yahoo, Outlook, they actually have a cutoff of how much of the content people will see. I think it's 200 KB, but I don't know how Excellent. that relates in terms of um, your your image side because, uh, size because it does compress everything for you as well.
0: Yeah. So do you have, yeah. So for everyone listening, like when you save, say you're designing an image in Canva to be your, your, your head of your email, you just need to make sure like People, people come to me so many times, I'm like, oh, Jackie, this email is a little bit blurry. I'm like, it's okay that it's a little bit blurry because honestly, we don't want it to be too big because if it's too big, it's going to get, yeah, it's not going to deliver to people's inboxes at all and a little bit yeah. blurry is better than not delivering. And so making sure you save your files quite small and hopefully your email server will hopefully, your email platform will compress a little bit more maybe, but even if it doesn't, to make sure it becomes really, really small. So like what what what, what Tamsin just said in terms of under 200 kilobytes, which is really, really tiny for most of the images that we're often working with. And so really prioritising keeping them small. Um, if you need help learning what size an image is, just message me on Instagram or something and I can just show you a screenshot. But yeah, that's a good point.
1: Um, things like keeping your email template in a single column helps. Mm. Um, the more you have sections within your drag and drop template and then you create two columns and then one column and four columns, that adds weight to your template. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, things like um big images, um GIFs as well. Those are great, but if the, but they can be quite weighty as well. Yeah. Um, and weirdly enough, I don't know in Clavio, um buttons. So the more buttons mm-hmm. you have in your template, the weightier your um your template is. So if you're trying to and the actually the great thing about that platform now is when you go to preview your email it tells you how big your oh, um, template is that's so it works on a traffic light system. So if it's under, you go green, and then it starts going orange, and then it's red, and you know, so you know you have to change something. And if you delete or um, change a button, or you take out some of the spaces, so you know, if you want to create white space, and mm. you can drag like a bit of a spacer, it has nothing in it. Those are, can be quite weighty as well. So rather use the padding within the block above or below to actually give yourself more space. Wow. Little tips and tricks um, really help to bring the size of your email down.
0: That's wild. I didn't realize so many of those different things um played an impact into that. I love that that, that platform shows you yet yeah, the the size of it and kind of like this is this is gonna be good or you need to fix fix something here and what those <laughs> what those fixes do. I, I would never have assumed that the spacer is going to know, be taking up space.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And they um they I'm sure Clavio have like a blog post or something about that when they first bought out because it's a very new f- um, function that they put in there. It's only like this year sometime.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and that's where I th- realized how heavy buttons were, um, spaces. Um, also when you are looking to create a desktop view and then it's not quite rendering properly on the mobile view. So you have a this this image looks like this on a desktop, but I only want it visible on the desktop. and then I'll create another image. I, and and that looks better on the mobile phone but it's only visible on the mobile phone that actually is double the weight yeah because it also has to download um two two images even though it just depends on what device you see them on so just be careful about that stuff as well
0: wild so much to think about I don't think my email server lets me when well, my, my platform lets me do different images for desktop and mobile so that's you don't have to worry about but yeah, it's, it's so good to think about if you do have that functionality of like, no, that's actually double the imagery. So yeah, <laughs> use yeah. it wisely. Yes.
1: Use it wisely. Yeah.
0: Use it so wisely. Okay. So do you have any other like little tidbits of advice that's popped into your brain before we kind of wrap up this episode that I guess my listeners can learn about email marketing and what's important to think about them?
1: So I think um, just the biggest thing is testing. I don't think people send enough previews to themselves and not just previews, yeah. but checking it on the desktop and then checking the same email on mobile phone. Yeah. Um you you can see when somebody hasn't done that because something isn't rendering properly. Um and like I said before, I've 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 seen people who have had two different um you know one one desktop top image, one mobile image and then when they've gone to duplicate that and create a new campaign they've forgotten about the double image, and then it's come up on the yeah screen, and I've seen that a few times. Um, mm. So just be really careful. But yeah. that's what I'm, I'm sending yourself previews does. It stops that kind of stuff. It's like an extra check. It's a, it's, it's a quality control check, essentially. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's such a good point. I do that. I think mainly with all of my newsletters, in particular, when I know that I've got I've got so many different things happening right now, and if one of them, I'm like, oh, that looks so rubbish on mobile. Let's um, yeah, tweak that up a little bit. Yeah, that's that's such a good quick tip.
1: Um, and I, I, I think just the other thing is around fonts. Um, yeah. because I was actually going to ask about this. <laughs> um, we have, you know, a, each business has its, you know, a, a font that is your brand, your your custom brand font. And some email providers, you can upload your custom font to the template builder, which is great. But at the end of the day. Um, only certain fonts are going to be accepted into email readers. So your custom brand font is going to be defaulted to Helvetica or Times New Roman anyway. Yeah. Rather think about um, how can you find a font that is close enough to your own branding and use that so you're not disappointed. You know, not feel like your hard-earned design has fallen flat because the fonts aren't coming through.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I was talking to someone about that this, just this week and just like, oh, can th- this email server that I, that I use, she was asking me about the one I used. And I was like, I mean, you can upload fonts if you want to, but email servers aren't going to accept the font. And like the only, one, one of the web plat- one of the news, one of the email platforms, I know, like if you upload your own font, it just changes it into an image anyway. So it's not, yeah. it's like, that's, that's kind of pointless. So yeah, if you want to have, I'd have my brand fonts in my newsletter, Headers and like a special header for the email, but other than that, it's all just the plain font. But it's the same with like Instagram stories, for example. Is I don't have my brand fonts in Instagram stories, but I've chosen a font inside Instagram stories that I use consistently, and that becomes my Instagram story look. And so for businesses, choosing a font that's as close as you can get, which is for some people not going to be close at all, yeah. and then that's kind of a default font in your email. You just use that consistently, and that becomes your email branding look. And that's it's okay because again, it's about that practicality of it's readable, it's 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 clear and it's going to match and it's going to look okay and you know what it's going to look like rather than it defaulting to something really weird on someone's other end because you've chosen this font that doesn't really exist for people.
1: Yeah, absolutely, 100%. Um, I mean, it would be lovely to have all your fonts in there as well. Um, I do find sometimes when people have used a font within an image um, and that's, It's meant to convey a a piece of content like a call to action or something Mm -hmm. like a a core piece of messaging, but you can't read it because it's in a very beautiful font that is not naturally readable. If you use something like that, um, say if you do like a travel edit or a new arrivals edit and you're using a font and a background as a decorative feature, I think that works really well. Um, But if you're using it to convey your core message, it's, it's going to be really hard um to to do that so simple is always best
0: yeah yep 100% agree communication is always more important than than prettiness um yeah otherwise why why there's no point um that's been so so helpful thank you so so much so if we want to learn more from you or work with you how can we get in touch in your world
1: yeah so my website is emailparade.com.au um, i'm on instagram uh, and threads and facebook and all the other pages um socials as at email parade one word And yeah, it's as
0: easy as that. Simple, simple. Thank you so much. We'll put the links into the descriptions and all the places you find those links as well. So thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate your insights and your wisdom and your your passion for email marketing because it can be such a powerful tool for small businesses when we kind of begin to utilize it really well. And it's mostly free. So
1: yeah,
0: it's such a great reason to take advantage of it and connect like what you said with that one-on-one conversation at scale. It's like, it's the dream. So thank you so much for that.
1: No problem. Thank you for having me.
0: So thank you for joining Tams and I for that episode. I hope you found it so so helpful, and I cannot wait to hear about how your emails are just taking off and growing and um, just delivering more and doing all of those good things. So thank you for joining me for another episode. If you are enjoying this podcast or this YouTube video, if you're listening for the podcast version, I would love to hear a review from you. Um, reviews help me to get found and seen by more incredible business owners because when I'm found and seen by more business owners, more business owners are being helped. And so if you have two spare minutes, maybe be 60 seconds if you're super quick just jump onto whatever platform you're listening and give me a review whether it's just like Love the podcast, Jackie, thank you. Or it helps me in this, or um, I really hated this part. If you really don't like it, let me know too. Although feel free to email me instead of um, putting it all over the internet. But if you really don't like it, feel free to share your opinion. You're warranted to that. (laughs) I'm going on a tangent now. Uh, But thank you so much for listening. I so appreciate you being here. And if you ever have any requests for whether it's solo episodes or guests I should have on to help you in your small business journey, please, please let me know. I would love to make sure that I'm serving you and this, this content every single week. So thank you for joining me and I'll see you next week for another episode. Bye. Well, you don't have to be sad. This episode is over. There is more. I would love to see you over on my Instagram at white deer GD and we can chat, we can catch up. You can see what's going on. You can see all the different tips. Plus, if you'd like more freebies or more information or more help, just head to my website at whitedeer.com.au. See you next week.